702 Healthy Lifestyle. It's 25 minutes to 3 and up next we are looking at um, a disease that is known and seen as the silent thief of sight. Uh, a huge percentage, a proportion of the population that uh, it, it lives with uh, glaucoma and um, that many of those that live with glaucoma might not be aware that uh, they, they suffer from the disease. Um, and joining us on the line is Dr. Grant McLaren. He's an ophthalmologist from St. John's Eye Hospital at Chris Hani Baragwanath. I want to take your calls because it is one of those conditions that is silent, um, that needs to be managed and we need sight, that deterioration of our eyesight also leads to a poor quality of, of life. So it's incredibly important that we take care of our vision. Dr. McLaren, thank you so much for your time for today's conversation. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you and uh, hello to all your viewers and your listeners, actually. Yes. <laughs> well, it's World Glaucoma Week for 2017. Uh-huh. Let's have a look at how, uh, how prevalent it is, how many people it affects in South Africa. Oh well, in South Africa, it's a, it probably if we if you look at the figures, it varies between eight hundred thousand and probably one point two million, depending on the the incidence figures that you take. But just as a working figure, it could easily be eight hundred thousand people who, and half of whom are undiagnosed, at least conservatively. Probably more than that don't know they have the disease. Yes. So, uh, what happens? What happens within uh, the optic system that uh, brings about yeah. glaucoma? Well, the thing about it is it's, it's a chronic, as you said, it's a silent thief of sight. You don't know you've got the disease until late on in the disease because mm. we've got a lot of extra capacity in our eyes. We're born with about 1.2 million fibers, and those can reduce to at least half of that before you can even start picking them up on physical, you know, subjective testing. But we do have newer technology where we can actually do imaging and thicknessing imaging of your retina around the nerve and if that's thinned we test that against the normal population base and we can see that this person is now at risk or looks like they've suffered early damage and now that's before they have any visual symptoms so we can diagnose it early but the most important thing is to be aware of it and so if you're not looking for it you're not going to find it and this is what we say to everyone who goes to an optometrist ophthalmologist or any healthcare worker general practitioner to ask them if you have a risk factor, mm. family like family history, or you old, or you of African origin, a regular use of uh, steroids, cortisone preparations that can be nasal sprays, skin ointments, even topical medicines, or actually a tablet that you take, yeah. and get raised pressure in your eye. And that's the big risk factor is raised pressure. Mm. I mean, as long for, for many of us, eye tests or screenings only come about when we start to see our eyesight deteriorate. So are we making enough opportunities for the screenings to take place or for this to be detected? Yeah, we are. You know, every, as I say, every time you visit an eye care professional, you sh- that is an opportunity. We call it opportunistic uh, sort of diagnosis. If you go in, say, you've got an itchy eye or an injury to your eye, mm. that opportunity should be taken to actually look at the back, specifically at your optic nerve as it leaves the eye. That's where it can reveal early damage, which you won't necessarily manifest in a, in a sign or a symptom that you might have. So that's the, the crucial thing, to have your nerve looked at at every opportunity. So that's what I would say. Right. And then if there's asymmetry between the, the, one, uh, the, the two eyes, that's another key to look for. 
I see. So there are indicators. There's no cure yeah, for glaucoma. Um, so it, it, how is it possible to then slow down its progression? Absolutely. And you now we've got lots of things available to us. We have drops that we can give to patients, and that's the most acceptable of treatments because at least it's not invasive. But we also have a laser surgery, which we can do in the angle of the eye, improve the drainage of the eye, mm. you know, the flow, outflow of fluid. And finally, if we're not able to control it successfully or we control the pressure when we see the patient, but the patient is still progressing because this is a, a progressive disease. Right. Then we have to resort to surgery. And in younger people, especially young males, we resort to surgery earlier because compliance with treatment becomes an issue. So we'd rather intervene earlier surgically. And surgery is not always a, a sort of a, an option that most people you know, elect to, you know, to take because it is the prospect of having your eye operated on. Mm-hmm. And we say it's just to control pressure, not to improve vision. That's not always as appealing as drops or a laser. Right. Yes, yes. So uh, people might be reluctant. So as you said, um, uh, especially at, at an early stage for young men. But is there a mm-hmm. point where it becomes irreversible, the irreversible loss of vision? Well, the the irreversible portion is that what you've lost at the time of diagnosis you cannot regain. Uh So it's, it's, it's permanent, irreversible. But once you've made the diagnosis, you want to reduce the pressure by a sufficient percentage. We usually say 30%. -hmm. And then that puts it into the safe range. The pressure at which you are losing nerve fibers, you drop at 30% and that becomes a safe pressure for that eye. And so drops can do that. And if patients are compliant, and we have at at Baraguan at St. John, we have a lot of very loyal, compliant patients. Mm -hmm. But if we find that they're running out or they've skipped a couple of months, then the pressure goes up and that re-damages and Mm. causes ongoing damage. So we monitor them very carefully and ask you know, make sure that we communicate with them and say, look, how important it is to keep it down and to keep taking your medicines. Yes, yes. So this is about delaying, delaying uh, the progression of And the- all it is, you, you delay. Everyone loses nerve fibers. As you get older, if you live long enough, you'll lose all your nerve fibers in your eye. Yeah. But we don't, none of us do that. So we have a natural attrition rate. But in glaucoma, there's an accelerated attrition rate, and that's what the problem is. You'll run out of nerve fibers before you die, and that's when you'll become blind. Right. Let's hear from Dr. Rowland calling from Pretoria. Good afternoon, Dr. Rowland. Good afternoon, Ms. Welcome. Um, first, I want to say that you're one of my favorite broadcasters. <laughs> Thank you. But I, yeah. and I love you, and I love your program, and I think Dr. McLaren will remember me. Uh, in my role, really well. yes. How are you, William? <laughs> Fine, how are you, Doc? <laughs> um, oh, thank you. I just want to challenge one statement you made, Azania. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, we all know that loss of sight means poor quality of life. Mm-hmm. My answer to that is, often, but not necessarily so. Mm-hmm. I've had a very good life, um, for which I will always be grateful. I know many blind people live meaningful lives. It is tough to lose your sight, particularly if it happens slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps Dr. McLaren's on his way to the Congress in Port Elizabeth. I'm already uh, here. <laughs> okay. Well, a friend of mine, Dr. Janet Hodgson, who's losing her sight, mm-hmm. will be presenting... And I think I would argue that she leads a good quality of life as well. Right. I think I was... She's written... I, yeah, she's I, written 
Yes, go ahead, Dr. Rowland. Now, now she's written a number of books. Mm -hmm. The latest one is on the the medical drawings of Dynasty Young, one of our great artists. Mm -hmm. And she's also written a book on her experiences in losing sight. Yes, no, absolutely. I, I take the, the, the correction there. You're, you're spot on. Um, but yeah. my reference, I must say that my personal reference was of a childhood friend whose life really deteriorated thereafter. Very little support um, yes. and loss of opportunities, of course. So that yes. was a heartbreaking, really heartbreaking story. No, that was my no. uh, frame of reference. But as you said, it's important that uh, we don't see it or uh, communicate it to be uh, some sort of, of death sentence or, or uh, 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 that kind of drastic negative uh, uh, change or consequence to life. So thank you for that. Now, I've known those two, mm. but in the disability movement, we want to be careful that people equate disability with uh, a poor quality of life. You can live mm-hmm. a meaningful life mm-hmm. with many disabilities. Thank you, Zania. Thank you for that. That's Dr. Roland mm-hmm. in uh, in Pretoria. Absolutely. And I think when we see those whose lives deteriorate, it's a source or it's a cause for activism in the space to advance for mm-hmm. rights, to advance for support, to advance for screenings and, and, and ensuring that there is a better uh, 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 medical access for those that uh, end up have, suffering adverse consequences to disability. Mm-hmm. But certainly a point well made. Let's go next to Vosé in Lombardy East. Hello, Vosé. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm good. Welcome. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, Vania, I was just telling um, Cabazela of the line mm-hmm. that I am a glaucoma patient at uh, Charlotte Matege Hospital. Okay. It was diagnosed uh, three years ago, mm-hmm. and I've had uh, two operations on both my eyes, mm-hmm. and I'm living with uh, uh, combigan drops and lamigan drops and wearing glasses. Uh, and as a result, I couldn't uh, renew my driver's license last year because I, I can't really see properly um, with those diagnosis glasses that we they put us through for driving license. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I, I'm, I, I'm happy. At least I can still read. I can still work on the computer. It's the only driving process that I can do. Okay, so driving is where your life has had to change. Um, so are you adhering to the treatment? It sounds like you I, are, Vose. Yes, I am. Every morning I put on my Combigan drops mm-hmm. twice a day um, and then Lumigan drops late at night. Okay. So, Dr. McLaren, every, yes? every three months I go in for checkup. Right. Dr. McLaren, yeah. what, what Vusi mm-hmm. is, is clearly sticking to the program. Is there more that we can do, especially when it comes to lifestyle changes in order to mm-hmm. help the medicine along, to help the prescriptions along? Well, you know, there, there are a number of things. The, the, the most important thing is they do know that, you know, if you, in laboratory experiments, actually... Patients, uh, animals that are calorie restricted, there's less oxidative stress in their bodies Mm -hmm. and they tend to sort of have less, if they particularly have an injury to their optic nerves, they tend to not suffer as much loss if they're on sort of restricted diet, say. Mm -hmm. So we can't do that to all our patients, but we do recommend that patients then sort of 
diet sufficiently so mm-hmm. that their calorie intake, so in other words, they don't become overweight. The other thing is exercise is very, very important because we increase certain sort of uh, neuropeptides in our bloodstream when we exercise, and they've also done this on on, on animal experience as well. When they increase the ex- exercise uh, routines, they increase their brain-derived neurotropic factors, which is then protective towards the nerve, especially a damaged or a progressively damaged nerve. Mm. So, And also exercising improves your blood pressure. So if you increase your muscle bulk, you will then also increase your blood pressure. And a lot of patients have, as a risk factor, low blood pressure can cause problems with perfusion of your nerve, especially at night. Mm-hmm. So those are things that you can do. So, And then the other people recommend antioxidants uh, in your diet that also decrease the oxidative stress. That can happen in those situations where the perfusion is, is suboptimal. Uh, and those things can improve it. So there are a lot of good things you can do, but exercise probably is the most practical thing you can suggest to patients. Yeah. Uh, just on that issue of quality of life, that's what's most uh, notable in these patients. Even early on in the disease, patients tend to sort of fall more often, you know, walking. They can actually not see in the periphery as well, so they mm. won't see oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. And those are the things, increased falls and also accidents around the home. The other thing that is characterized by progressive visual loss is they travel less. They're less mobile. They mm-hmm. tend to their radius of travel is much less with increasing or pro- progression of the disease. Mm. So it certainly impacts on your quality of life. Okay. Um, my guest is Dr. Grant McLaren. This week is World Glaucoma Week, and uh, we just heard from Vusin Lombardi East, who is adhering to medicine. He is a patient at Charlotte Makleke Eye Clinic. And what questions do you have for Dr. McLaren um, as we wrap up our conversation around glaucoma? And the advice is that uh, you go for screenings, take up that opportunity if you're going to be visiting an uh, ophthalmologist, an optometrist, uh, to take a look at what is happening with your nerves and the pressure on them. Let's hear from Peggy next in Deep Groove. Hello, Peggy. Peggy, are you with us? Hello. Uh, yes, uh, hello. Hello. Uh, yes, I'm 82 years old. I'm a, also, I'm a patient here at St. John's. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. At St. John's at uh, Chris Honey Paraguana. Yeah, no, no, I've been there thrice, but they don't give me anything bad for the eye, mm. you know, when they pain and so on and so forth. What is your condition, Peggy? Do you know? Can I take the the, the dangles of this file and see how it looks like? I don't know my condition, but I, you know my eyesight is not so well these days. Mm-mm-mm. So just reading that, is there someone close by that can help you, Peggy? Mm. Is there? Hello? Yes. Let me put you back to my producer, Mama Peggy, and let's see if we maybe can't uh, uh, connect you with um, uh, uh, Dr. McLaren. Would you be able to listen in to Peggy's story? Yes, I did. I heard what she was saying. I'm not sure about what medication she's on at the moment. Mm -hmm. But generally, our patients are, you know, who attend regularly, if they are, do have glaucoma, they are put on. Um, pressure-reducing medications, more given laser or actually uh, operated on. Got you. So sometimes all visual loss is not always directly due to glaucoma. It could be it's the most common uh, irreversible loss of vision, the second most common loss of vision next to cataract in mm-hmm. adult age group. 
but certainly she may have some other issues there are things like ocular inflammations or degenerations of the back of the eye retina patients who have diabetic can get retinopathies uh, also even in uncontrolled hypertension can damage your vision so there's a lot of other things that can do it our focus is obviously on glaucoma and if you do control the pressure successfully, yeah. you can delay the progression of the disease. Right. Let's hear quickly from Macintosh and Broadacres. Hi, Macintosh. Hi. Um, doctor, I have an aunt of mine that has had uh, glaucoma for a while. But the thing about her is that she feels that because of advanced age, and um, she's around 65 years old, that she cannot be helped. Is there anything that, that we can perhaps do for her because she's accepted her life she can barely see anything. You you basically have to lead her around, especially if you're inside the house. What can we do for her? Okay. Hi, I'm McIntosh. Um, there's, and it's good to hear from her. I, I do think if you've got reduced vision, there are things like sort of uh, visual aids for severely severe vision impairment. So she can have some visual aids that will improve her ability to see. Unfortunately, with glaucoma, they get you get you know once you started losing your central vision because you lose your peripheral vision first in the most common varieties of glaucoma, uh, then you start to lose your central vision. If she's really got down to count fingers, hand movements, vision, there's very little that you can do except improve lighting and that sort of thing. But if she's got more than that, you can use magnification of that central visual field, and that'll allow you to see a little bit more. Mm. But Generally, advanced, you know, disease glaucoma is is pretty a dire condition to have, and but you can enhance that little vision you have left with uh, or assisted with the you know assisted devices, things that magnify the image that you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. So and, and there is a draw, uh, you know, not draw the sort of Nigel Johannesburg University UJ. They do have an optometry school and they do have a low vision clinic there, which patients can be helped. Uh, you know, with these visual aids. All right, let's take a break, Dr. McLaren. I've got a few more questions coming in on the phone okay. line as well as on our right. SMS line. My guest is Dr. Grant McLaren, ophthalmologist from St. John's Eye Hospital at Chris Honey Baragwanath. And I've got a few SMSs about uh, what people uh, are going through and what they, th- what they consider to be helpful. More after this. 702 healthy lifestyle. We still have a few more minutes for some of your questions to uh, Dr. Grant McLaren, ophthalmologist at St. John's Eye Hospital at Chris Honey Baragwanath. It is World Glaucoma Week. Let's go to Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. Yes. Hi, Azania. Um, my question is, I've now been diagnosed with glaucoma. It's about two years mm-hmm. and um, I've been a regular blood donor basically from the age of 18. I'm now 54 and I just want to find out um, does it affect me? Can I still donate blood? What What does he feel? Right. Dr. McLaren? Okay. Hi, Susan. Yeah, I, I think it's still possible. The only real risk factor is that some patients, when they donate blood, especially as they get older, they can have sort of periods of low blood pressure, especially immediately afterwards. Oh, which we don't so if that's not yeah. You know, if that's not happening, well, then that's fine. But some people do have that. Mm-hmm. So you must just sort of have that measured after you've donated. But I do think donating blood's a, a very a noble thing to do and, and uh, you should be donating as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And I think if your blood pressure is stable afterwards, I think you should continue to do that. There you have it, Susan. Uh, Harold in Randburg, good afternoon. Har- Harold? Uh, good afternoon. Yes, yeah, good afternoon. I just wanted to ask... Uh, 
When you take uh, tablets like Viagra or Cialis, which is a sexual enhancement tablet, mm-hmm. does it, and your eyes basically turn, it, your, your eye um, veins start showing. Is that dangerous or is it, uh, or what? Because, I mean... Mm-hmm. Okay, so the effects that that has on your, your blood vessels and your eyes, uh, that kind yes, of medication. Uh, Grant, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do agree. You know, that has been implicated in, in decreasing the blood flow to the optic nerve head, and there have been conditions, especially a condition called uh, anterior ischemic, um, uh, you know, idiopathic optic neuropathy. So, in, in other words, the front of the eye's blood supply can be reduced by taking those uh, those Viagra's and the other ones, sildenafil. And so, yes, I think if there is an issue there, and you, especially with glaucoma, mm. I do think uh, it, there is a risk. But again, obviously, regular use versus irregular use and just monitoring of blood pressure and symptoms when it happens. I do think the best thing to do is to have your eyes looked at when after you've taken such a, a medicine and have a look at the, the vessels and the veins and see if there's any uh, vasoconstriction. Okay. And also what your basic blood pressure is. If your your bottom ones, you know, 120 over 80 when you have it measured, that's sort of the bottom one's called the diastolic pressure. Mm-hmm. And if that is uh, low to start off with, I do think then that is a problem to take those medications if you have glaucoma. Yes. Uh, But you can monitor that and you can have a look at it. Obviously, we don't want to sort of eliminate it entirely if it's not an issue. But if you have measured it and your blood pressure is low and there are issues of this anterior ischemic optic neuropathy uh, and you have symptoms of that and your nerve starts to suffer and you can monitor progression by doing various tests. Right. And if that is changing, then I would recommend that he would stop using those. Mm. Well, thank you for helping us shed some light on glaucoma. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure and lovely to listen to, listen to you. I listen to you often and my wife is a big fan of you, Jillian. <laughs> so I think she's been on your show. Oh, pass my regards. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, well, thank That's... you, Azania. Keep well. Thank Thanks. you, Dr. Grant McLaren, already out in Port Elizabeth. He's an, he's an ophthalmologist from uh, St. John's Eye Hospital at Chris Honey Baragwanath. But there's this conference happening in Port Elizabeth and this is where we find him.